my books are put together. I'm your host, book designer Holly Dunn, and today I'm talking with a team of designers from HarperCollins in the US. The four designers are Aaron Fitzsimmons, Alison Clapthor, Jesse Gang, and David Curtis. And we talk a bit about some of their individual projects for HarperCollins, as well as how they work together as a team. Without further ado, here is the HarperCollins team. Say what your roles are as well. Okay. Uh, I'm Dave, I'm a senior designer. And I'm Jesse, and I'm a designer. I'm Alison Clapthor, and I'm an art director. And Aaron Fitzsimmons, and I'm also an art director. Great. So we've got a good range of, of people. Yeah. <laughs> Different perspectives should be really good. Um, so yeah. I thought we'd start off with maybe if, if one of you could just explain a little bit about the, the structure and how your roles interact. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Erin. Um, so we have a really great team. We have a ton of designers on our team. I think it, the latest count is around 16. And we do mostly middle grade and teen novels with the occasional picture book and nonfiction and, you know, anything else kind of thrown in between. Um, and we work on two teams where we have a number of designers that that pick up and work for a variety of editorial teams and art directors. So we, any novel that comes out of HarperCollins or Harper Teen imprint, um, we're concepting and coming up with the, the concepts for the covers and getting them through the approval process. Um, there's a lot of people that are involved and it's a, it's a great team to work with. So you guys are working quite closely together at various times? Yeah, we have um, kind of within our teams, we work with our editorial teams most um, directly. So we'll have biweekly meetings with the editorial teams where we're showing different concepts for the covers at various stages. And then we kind of develop them with the editors and with our art directors and the creative director. And then we bring them into the sales and marketing and, and greater team um, for feedback as we as we work on them. So it's a lot. It's a lot of productive and collaborative collaborative meetings so you said you have bi-weekly meetings what what does your week kind of look like i know it must be quite varied but what would an average week look like for you guys so mondays we kind of start start off our mondays with production meetings where we're kind of reminded of the status of all our our titles and we kind of keep everything on track and then Mondays are preparing for the, the week for the cover meeting. So Tuesdays we'll meet with one edit one set of editorial teams. And then on Thursdays we meet with the other set of editorial teams. And Wednesday is our day when we show the um, sales and marketing group cover. So throughout the week, kind of like developing covers at different stages and showing them at different stages to the various teams. And then Fridays tend to be a little bit quieter, which is nice. <laughs> well, it's really quiet. quiet. <laughs> that sounds like a lot to juggle. It's a lot, but it's, I think it's structured really well in that we have a good prop pacing and, and um, a lot of time built in to show the teams that need to see things and keep things moving on a timely manner. We work in three seasons. Um, I know each publisher is a little bit different, but we have three seasons that we kind of work towards. And so we're right in the middle of finishing up our... Um, summer 19 list and then we're going to start right on into the fall 19 list in um, mid to late June so 
we're, you know, it all kind of works really well. And I think we have a good flow here. Yeah, you sort of forget how far ahead you're working sometimes. That's. <laughs> Do you sort of forget that you've you've done a book and, and then see it in a bookshop ever? <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Yeah, we try and remember when, you know, books, I always forget when the book goes on sale. So I'm always constantly reminding me, oh, right, that book is on sale today, even though we got the finished copies like two months before. Yeah. I'm always forgetting what year it is in general because. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that must be a hazard. So how many (laughs) titles would you have on the go at once as a team? Well, so for Allison and I, where we're art directing titles, we have anywhere between like 25 to 35 that we're overseeing on each season. And then we try and keep the designers list smaller because they're really doing a lot of the design work and, and the actual kind of developing work. So their list, we try and keep them to like eight to 10 new titles each season. You know, each list is a little bit different. You know, summer for some reason tends to be a big list. There's a lot of books on those lists. So we try and space them out as much as we can, but between all of our teams yeah it's a lot I think <laughs> we publish a lot of books at Harper so that's why it helps to have such a big and awesome team I guess when you're working with kids books it, it must be a little bit different from from the adult market as well because you've got this summer holidays and you probably are aiming to get a lot of books out for that would that be correct back to school and yeah I don't know Easter like a big kid holiday I guess mm-hmm. not Easter but it's like springtime will be like a kid holiday mm-hmm. and Christmas of course but yeah there's all I'm, I'm trying to think what all the little kid holidays are but of course back to school we don't really think of it as a holiday in um as an adult but kids it's definitely on their radar yeah yeah, yeah for sure when I was a kid that was a holiday all, yeah. the, all the supplies and yeah. the yeah. new yeah. clothes <laughs> and you're optimistic well at yeah. least I was back then of like I'm gonna read a lot this year <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um so I thought we, we've got a, a list of, of titles here that um I'd like to go through and some a fantastic variety of stuff here as well so I've got a couple for each of you so I thought we'd go through one each and then circle back round and do the others. So to start with, um, we start with Jesse's Wild yes. Rescuers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so Guardians cool. of the Tiger, is that right? Yep, Guardians of the Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so this one um, we had a lot of fun with because it's actually uh, written by a, a popular YouTuber and um, it's based off of her famous like dogcraft series, which is on Minecraft. And we kind of had a fun, um, we went through a fun concept of like trying to find balance between fantasy and uh, Minecraft, which we had no idea of. But thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, Allison Clapthor's a kid case. He knew what Minecraft was. And so through him, <laughs> we kind of figured out what that whole process and gaming world looks like um and we were able to or lucky enough to work with Vivian Cho who's an amazing illustrator and she was able to bring together the balance of fantasy and the gaming aspect so yeah we learned a lot (laughs) (laughs) and those those gorgeous wolves I, I love the one that's winking 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so cute. Oh, cute. And also on the back, if, um, if you ever get a chance to see the full jacket cover on the back, there's oh, a little God, wolf he's... with uh, library glasses on. <gasps> <and it's... laughs> or something. yeah and um, and the the typography because when i first looked at it i sort of went why has this got kind of minecraft typography because i wasn't yeah. i wasn't familiar yeah. with with dogcraft and then i looked it up and went oh right that makes sense <laughs> oh good i'm glad we hit that um that sweet spot of somebody figuring out that it was a little bit of a nod to minecraft because yeah we weren't sure how much to do that it was a fine balance between like alienator alienating just readers of fantasy and then also and i think there's a stigma a little bit to minecraft and we certainly didn't want to you know lose some readers just to the the idea that they didn't know minecraft or they weren't familiar with it so that was one of the challenges in this uh in hitting the right notes in this book on the cover yeah for sure and i mean i kind of look at it and think it's it's minecraft meets lara croft meets game of thrones oh right <laughs> yay exactly what we want what a great pitch. You should have written a copy for sure. <laughs> well, maybe not all things that you want to be targeting, you know, towards kids. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a lovely cover. I, I would love to have a picture of those wolves on my on my wall. They're just so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Well I have something completely different. Um <laughs> so Alison, um yeah. Your cover for The Girl Guide, I found this really interesting because I interviewed Marawa and Sinem oh, last good. year um, and, and talked about the process of the making this book. And obviously it's it's gone over to the to the US. And yeah. the cover is, it's not dramatically different in that the colours right. are quite similar. But um, yeah, I was just curious to know if you had kind of, if you'd seen the, the UK cover to start with and oh, yeah. working from that and, yeah, and that why was... why the changes were made sure um that's a good question and um let's see where do I start well I also saw the UK cover and the UK book and I completely fell in love with it so um luckily it didn't have a US publisher so I was able to talk with an editor I work with here quite a bit on nonfiction and sort of bring it to her attention and I do this a lot and she's not always on board with my choices. <laughs> I like really weird books. And this was one of those books where it's a nice mix of um, something that we all need in the U.S., a book about um, girls, girls' bodies coming of age, and um, and also a bit of sort of it's, – it's pretty wacky. Like, it's a wacky book, which yeah. I think we need here. Um, so, yeah, I see that – I saw that cover. And – a lot of times we don't keep a U.S., I mean, a U.K. version of our cover. So it's pretty standard for us to want to change them and make them our own. Um, and in that case, all those letters were formed by, I believe, the author's body. Yeah. I believe she made the entire title into a typeface using her body, which was extraordinary. But I think the U.K. gets a, away with a little bit of wackiness <laughs> that the U.S. market doesn't. And we certainly wanted this cover to be as accessible to all the moms of the United States and all the girls of the United States and not be something that looked a little bit, um, for lack of a better word, sort of alternative or, you know, just too crazy. And 
And frankly, I think those bodies, um, it was a little hard to read, especially when you're looking at like an online snapshot where those covers are so small. So I wanted to uh, keep the general idea of having it be an all type cover. And um, Stenham was so great about giving me so many different versions. And at the end of the day, we just wanted to keep what was so cool about the entire book, which is like these hot colors and this bold type that she uses everywhere. And we decided to do an all type and then just use the eyes as the the letter eyes as the girls' bodies that we're still referring back to the UK cover, but just making it super easy to read and super clean, which also really fits the aesthetic of the entire book. Yeah, I love that. Oh, cool. So glad. And it, it definitely works very well as a thumbnail as well. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, we're all always, always so bold. Yeah. Yes, so, so bold. Um, and we're always asked to be looking at um, covers when we show them in our meetings. Um, one thing we're super um, conscious of is looking at them large. And then always next to the large image, we're asked to shrink it down to, I'd say, like 10, 20% of what we're looking at at large, uh, just so that people know what they look like on readers and on Amazon and all of that good stuff. So that's always on our mind. <laughs> For sure. And the inside of this book, does that... Yeah. Is that the same as the UK edition? 98 or 7% of it is exactly the same. <laughs> um, we do go through a pretty um, intense, what we call an Americanization process of the yeah. text. So a lot of those cute words they use in England and elsewhere we um, change just to the you know American English. And then I'd say there's maybe two or three images that unfortunately we had to alter and actually, one of, one of my favorites, and probably the reason I found the book, I think it was Instagram, where I saw this really amazing image of, for lack of a better word, I called it Butt Mountain. <laughs> it was like these girls laying down in different colored tights, and it, from a distance, it looks like these this purple mountain range, and then you look closely, and it's actually girls' butts and tights. And I loved it so much. And unfortunately, they, the editors here thought that it was just a little too much of like a sexualization of a body. So Sinem and I worked pretty hard to change um, the general idea of like girls' butts and tights, but we turned them around and we made them into little ballerinas and they had little tutus on. And so that, that one spread, unfortunately, got changed to sort of an American, uh, less sexy version. <laughs> well. But otherwise, I'd say a lot of the type is, or a lot of the art is the same because mm. we really loved it as is. Yeah, and it's it's a wonderful book. I love it too. Thanks. All right, so we'd move on to David's cover, which is um, Heretics Anonymous, which ah. is just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Wait, it's it's the crowning jewel of my portfolio <laughs> so i i think really what we're all wondering is did you did you make the toast <laughs> yeah, everyone did you eat the toast that's well, that too. <laughs> i did have a craving for toast after making this cover but i mean since so many people have asked that I'm, regrettably no i didn't i really should have tried harder to make this in person <laughs> I wish I had a stale piece of toast on my desk right now as a as a memorial, but no, it's uh, <laughs> I made it in Photoshop. Um, yeah, the, the idea of it, um, I was trying to because when I got this book, it's kind of this, um, it's a an 
a atheist in a Catholic school making this club, um, and it's all different people, uh, atheists, people who are religious, um, and it has this kind of like David Sedaris-y humor to it, dry humor to the whole thing, and uh, it's actually really respectful of religion. So when I was trying to make imagery that was funny and also referencing the religion, I was really walking this tightrope and <laughs> trying to be as respectful as possible, but also make something funny. Um, so when I was researching that kind of thing, uh, it, was, it was a little dicey. And then I came across the two things uh, that made me laugh really hard were the um, old fresco painting of Jesus that that woman <laughs> tried to touch up and yeah. made it look like a Muppet. And it was really funny. <laughs> Um, then the second was the um, the Virgin Mary and the toast, and it's it it seemed like a really good idea at the time because and and still now I'm not writing it, um, but uh, it's a, like a story that everybody can recognize, everybody knows it, and it's so outrageous that I thought it was the perfect kind of like mixture of religious and and humor for this cover. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I thought of when I when I saw this. Um, yeah. So did you experiment with with some different types of illustration on the toast? I did. Uh, it started out with a uh, a winking Jesus on the toast. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it's really hard to get facial details in there when there's so many cracks and a piece of burnt toast. Uh, but uh, I, I knew I was on the right track when uh, people were walking by my desk and snickering at what I was working on. So. <laughs> Um, the idea of just the toast and the type in the toast seemed like uh, like enough, and the, the glowing Bible definitely helped. It's kind of like an iconic image that could relate to the group Heretics Anonymous. So, it um, yeah, it seemed to speak for itself. And when I show people, people immediately know what it is. And then the editor um, uh, Ben, he's so great, came up with the tagline "A Divine Comedy," which yeah. is just the tagline <laughs> <laughs> over top. Yeah, I mean, talk about a, a great title just to begin with, even if you don't know anything about the book. Mm -hmm. It's it's very evocative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really liked working on this one. And, and from the, the interior to the, the case, uh, it's really put a lot of care into this one because it was so much fun. Mm. Oh, I'd love to see some of those um, other, other illustrations, <laughs> the winking Jesus. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, they're all very rough. That's why I did it in Photoshop because if I didn't, yeah. that, it'd take a really long time to <laughs> to comp things up and finish one after a day and go, yeah, that doesn't look right, and have to start over. So yeah, I guess you'd have but to you make have... a plate of some sort yeah. to to burn into the toast or something. Yeah. That sounds really complicated. But yeah, I'd have to get some kind of burning kit and yeah. <laughs> unplug my fire alarm and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that people wonder whether it was made with toast or not, it's, I, I think, shows that you've done an excellent job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should just start lying and telling people I did make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think out? I did? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, who have we got next? Erin. And Erin's new cover, Heroin. Yeah. Also very different from what we were just talking about. Kind yes. of opposite tone. Yeah. And yeah. this is very new as well. Very new, just revealed. Really yeah. excited about this one. Um, so this is Mindy McGuinness's new YA novel. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Mindy's books, but she is one of my favorite authors to design for because she really just takes 
difficult topics and, and attacks them head on. And so for this one, she's, she's dealing with the story about a um, softball player who gets into a car accident and is prescribed opioids and then very quickly becomes addicted to them and then falls into this horrible situation where she can't afford the um, medication anymore. So she turns to heroin and it's this very harrowing and, and gritty and real story that I think is drawn from a lot of Mindy's experiences going to schools and talking to to people in local communities. She has this amazing letter at the beginning of the galley that um, explains kind of where the book originated from. And it's a huge problem, the opioid ep- epidemic in the country. And I think Mindy's found a really beautiful way to a- address it. And she doesn't shy away from anything, all the, the dark parts and, and the realistic parts of it. So, you know, with her covers, it's it's kind of like this ominous thing where you feel like you have to come up with something really impactful and powerful that matches the storyline. So we started with a lot of very, um, like for lack of a better word, stereotypical imagery. Like there was a lot of um, pills and needles and crushed white lines of powder. <laughs> it was like, you know, it just felt like that easy choice and, and they worked and they weren't, you know, they weren't terrible, but they were kind of the expected way to go. And then the more and more we were talking about it, we're like, this book doesn't go the expected route that you think it would. So how can we do that differently? So we were talking, I was talking with the editor and I was like, the the beautiful thing about this book is just the title and the multiple meanings and how, you know, the word heroin with an E and the word heroin without the E and, and really wanting to, you know, play that up on the cover. So I was like, what if the word repeats and you you see less and less of it? And once I started playing around with the actual words, I realized, oh, wow, how many other words kind of can be pulled out from this title and how that kind of mimics Mickey's um, story and her kind of devolvement from, you know, where she was to where she ends up towards the end. So it was a really um, fun one to work on and just in terms of pushing myself and, and the concept. And kind of like what Dave was saying, when you work in the open office plan, it's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But when people are walking by your desk and they're like, oh, my God, what are what is happening? <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, OK, that's good then. Right. Like you're stopping to to see and, and ask what's going on. And of course, when you have the word heroin on your screen all day. <laughs> yeah. start getting worried. But um, <laughs> so that was that was one where I really benefited from having a great team to kind of push me along and say, no, this is working. Keep, keep doing it. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that. And, um, we're going to do some neat effects on the printed edition where the word, the title heroin with the E is blind spot glossed on each line. So you'll, you'll see it and then you won't, it'll kind of appear and disappear as you're um, turning the jacket. So, Ah. Yeah, you have to wait for that to come out for a little while. It doesn't release winter 2019. Oh, wow. Building up the suspense now. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really... I just feel lucky that I get to work on Mindy's Mindy's books. They really... They go there. Yeah, and I think it's it's quite a, a bold choice for YA as well because, I mean, there's a certain aesthetic that we associate with with YA literature mm-hmm. and this really right. goes away from that it, it looks right. like it could be put next to adult novels quite comfortably right. yeah that's what we were definitely going for and that's we've kind of gone been, we've been moving towards that for her covers because I think yes. her books 
they they could easily be read by adults and they they have the edginess and the the realness that I think adults would be really drawn to so there you know we've been slowly itching there and I feel like this was finally the book in the cover that we could say okay you know what we don't we don't need to hold back and keep it in the YA sphere what would we do if this was really an adult jacket so yeah it's, it's um it's really fun to do something that can be really type driven and and not so much focused on the imagery yeah and that's something that I think we've seen more in in well YA literature in general which has mm-hmm. then driven the the way that YA is designed but we've seen a lot more YA dealing with very adult topics really I'm thinking of mm-hmm. um Louise O'Neill's books as well mm-hmm. and oh yeah they, oh my gosh, they've got my really covers. quite yeah yeah gritty gritty covers I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm thinking I'm probably thinking of the UK ones not yeah. the US ones but I think they're both yeah go mm-hmm. go in that direction and um it, it's, it's definitely it's a trend I think we're happy to be seeing yeah happening because often with YA it's sort of the you know hand lettered type mm-hmm. and and a, a, you know, bright colors and yeah mm-hmm. this this is really quite different and it's nice to see that it could be put in an adult section and mm-hmm. and that adults could read it on a train and not feel like they're embarrassed for reading why <laughs> right they don't have to take the jacket off of this one yeah, yeah. So, hopefully unless they, you know it does say heroin over and over again so. it, it does that's true you know, there's, no, there's no hiding what you're reading about mm. <laughs> it needs to be talked about so it's a good thing but also because it's it's such a, a female topic with you've got the heroin you've got it goes down to mm-hmm. her yeah and, mm-hmm. and the the cover is very um very much not not a feminine cover right <laughs> yeah that's true yeah and the character is not feminine at all I mean her name's Mickey she plays softball she's a she's a um catcher in softball and like I played softball the catcher was always kind of the least feminine the whole group. <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah we definitely don't want to play into any any tropes here like with female of the species I always I, I still feel like I, we could have pushed that cover to be a little bit more less feminine but that was always the problem with the we title tried. Yeah. we tried so hard to make it as, <laughs> as like gritty as possible but yeah we got almost a curse word yeah that's yeah. as close as we can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well the next one is again very different um but we are going back to Jesse and yes. the land of yesterday. Oh, the land of yesterday. Oh, <laughs> I love that one so much. Um, Can you tell us a bit about the story to start with? Yeah, of course. The story is a very, um, it's super whimsical and it's very much from like purely from imagination and like it's a completely different world. Um, it's about a girl who kind of, goes down this rabbit hole of um, trying to find and save her parents, but also like trying to grapple with the fact that maybe possibly she was the reason of her, you know, sibling's death. Um, So it's kind of going through the emotions of what a child might go through and like feeling lost, but it's done in a very beautiful and um, beautifully whimsical way, but it's not, it's not a light, fluffy piece. It's 
pretty dark. Um, and I think the author did a brilliant job in trying to bring in that darkness into um, a way that a child might understand it. So I thought it was so well written and it's one of my favorites from that mm -hmm. season. Uh, and I think it's gonna, hopefully, I really hope that a lot of people read it because it's so beautiful. It's got like a Coraline kind yeah, of vibe. Like a very, Coraline meets, um, I don't even know what it meets. It's like <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, very much Coraline. fantasy, dark fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and you definitely get both of those things from the cover. Okay. Um, oh, the sort of you. falling down the rabbit hole look mm -hmm. and, and then the colors are very, very Coraline-esque. Right. We wanted, um, it's kind of like the character goes through this phase where she turns into a paper doll. So we were kind of looking into paper artists and trying to see if we could find somebody who could really bring to life um, our main character, Cecilia. And we were able to work with Helen Musselwhite, who's a brilliant paper artist. And she was she brought to life the character and we thought she did it in a really great fashion. And um, it's hard to get like super detailed with paper art. Um, but I think Helen did a great job with that. And we we're so thrilled with how it turned out. And the overall package is going to be beautiful because the inside is also done in, um, instead of doing uh, black and white printing, we decided to go with a, a PMS color, a Pantone color, which is going to be like a dark blue. So, the interior illustrations, which were done by uh, Jensen Eckwall, is going to be um, in all blues. So I think it's going to be a really overall great package. It's really beautiful. It's so magical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. I want to go buy it. Go buy it. <laughs> Read the <laughs> I feel like a car deals with. Like... <laughs> Sell that what a thing. It. What a better thing to be to be selling them books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really funny because, I mean, every season you, you get a such a different list of um, books and different manuscripts. And when you really fall in love with one, it kind of um, totally takes, <laughs> takes some precedence over how you design it and, like, how you want to package it. And I feel like um, you get a lot more opinionated with um, stories that you connect with. So I this is kind of one of those ones kind of struck me and I hope it you know does well with the crowd <laughs> also other people have to read it so you have someone to talk to about it I know Allison <laughs> 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 and I have just been talking about it yeah. the two of us and now we can share it with other people yeah <laughs> I guess that's the other thing about having to wait so long for the book to come out yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's torture. Yeah, a little bit of torture. We also learned a lot about working with paper artists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have a massive respect for people that work with paper <laughs> because we saw a lot of versions as the as the artist works work, and I can't even imagine how many behind the scenes things we missed. But we definitely got an education in oh, sort of the finality of paper. <laughs> I mean, we're so used to being able to manipulate things and, oh, can't you just change that later? Can't you just change that later? And we learned, nope, once paper <laughs> is cut, for the most part, things are the way they are. Um, so there's there's a real respect for that art form. And unless you work with paper, I don't know that you have that. Like, I think every, everybody just take for granted that everything's digital, but these artists, like, they build this world, they cut the paper, they set it, they light it, they photograph it, 
And it's a whole like set building world that is happening. So that was really fun to sort of vicariously experience. Mm, that, that's what I was curious about, how it was actually photographed. Yeah, photographed. I mean, we weren't too, I'll let Jesse talk. I'm taking over with my <laughs> laryngitis voice. Um, and Helen actually had someone that she works with who photographs most of her work and um, he was able to photograph it and send it to us. And there were little things that we could change about it, like maybe the background, how much the contrast of the spotlight was um, on the piece and things like that. But most of it, once it was done and shot, it was, that was it. And we kind of had to take that leap of faith. And it was, um, you know, Allison and I were corralling the team, kind of being like, you trust us, it's going to be amazing. And we're also kind of telling each other, let's trust her, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> so it was a lot of, um, you know, just believing in the artist and hoping that, you know, it was all going to come together. And I think Helen did that and she really delivered. So we were really happy with that end product. <laughs> and it's so three-dimensional as well, which is quite unusual for something that's, I mean, you don't think of paper as, as being, as having such depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think she um, had, basically, she had Cecilia and the vines kind of suspended, and she took the shot, like, from uh, from a distance. So I think they were able to get the shadows. And we were really, um, we really wanted to get the depth shown across, so we asked for heavier shadows and more contrast to give us that extra um, dimension. We talked about different different specs that we could do and we landed with soft touch yeah. and hopefully that also gives it the extra that we want. Yeah. yeah. It was an extra challenge because the editor who is working on this book hates soft, soft touch. <laughs> yeah. She thinks that it, it feels creepy. Like we went into this whole conversation about like what people's, people's triggers are as far yeah. as like textures they can't handle. Yeah. And she was like grudgingly gave us the okay for the yeah. soft touch. Even though she probably won't touch it herself. Yeah. <laughs> we totally give her gloves and she could wear <laughs> Yeah. Um, one last point on this. Um, the typography, was that also cut out with paper? That was. Wow. Actually, um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I was trying to think um, what kind of... That, yeah, that was something because we were thinking about how we would set that, whether we would set that in-house or if she would cut it. And I think we like the idea that she cut it in that way. It would have to be script because mm -hmm. then it needed to be connected together for her to cut it out and have it as one piece. So that was something that was brought in because of that. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's that's so impressive. <laughs> She's so good. She's yeah. <laughs> and it does look like it's been written by hand as well. You sort of look at it and go, hmm, hang on, how, how was that done? At least I do. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, right. Who have we got next? Ah, so we've got a couple of covers from Alison. So I'm looking specifically at Baby Ariel's Dreaming Out Loud and oh, yeah. <laughs> Unfiltered by Lily Collins. Oh, yeah. So um... I wanted to talk more generally about the the kind of celebrity memoir and and when you're you're working with a, a photograph like this and how you yeah, yeah how the process is different from other books 
It's very different because <laughs> they are driving the bus for sure. Um, at least these two ladies were. But um, for the most part, I haven't been doing these books very long. Um, I've been working on nonfiction for a couple of years and occasionally we'll get these biographies. Um, but we, it's a whole shoot. We, we did a photo shoot and for the most part it was very, um, Lily Collins had a whole team of course, because she is super famous and gets photographed all the time. So luckily that was really just me sort of saying yes to her whole team that she already had in place and the photographer that she wanted. And, I felt like I was on the set of something completely different. Like I'd gotten a new job or something because I don't, <laughs> I don't go to LA and shoot at milk studios and deal with Lily Collins and all these famous hair people and stylists, but it was really fun. And she certainly knew what she wanted. I mean, for her book, she, um, we went through a lot of different rounds of sort of just maintaining expectations. And also I think that, um, she definitely had a, a point of view for her book and, I'll say this also, those books are usually not written yet by the time I'm doing the covers. It's um, a work in progress. But for the most part, I get notes on what their story is going to be and sort of the point of view. And certainly I know the personality. So, um, you know, it's a lot of it is it ends up being playing off of the title. And I have to say for both of those, I think the titles were in flux too. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's only so much you can do with a portrait, but you want it to tie... I, I kind of studied biographies um, when I had to start into these, but for the most part, there's a little bit of playfulness with the titles. Otherwise, just, there's a huge disconnect. It looks like you have some random title on a photo that could be from anywhere. So, I mean, that's the main thing to think about with them is sort of setting a tone and thinking about the message of the book. I mean, Lily's was a lot about, um, you know, some darker stuff that happened with her, but she wanted it to be on an upbeat um, note. And she actually had this um, this concept from the beginning, and she was really married to the idea that she would be wearing a suit, and that this, if I'm trying to remember, this is like a couple years ago now, but she would be wearing a suit, and that the knees would be ripped, and she wanted it to look like a person who knew what they were doing and dressing up like an adult, but hadn't quite gotten things right, you know, just somebody who was like trying stuff, it just wasn't working, working. like, like a, we were, we, were, we tried it on set we got a suit we ripped it up <laughs> and then we were all like who wears a ripped up suit like this is not really working we certainly have some outtakes of her in a beautiful suit but at the end of the day what ended up working was her in just sort of a more casual um conversational pose and outfit um so you try a million different things on set and certainly they have a million different ideas too and really my idea is sort of like channeling the publisher and channeling sales and channeling all the marketing people who have told me what they want and then sort of coordinating that talent on set as they choose clothes and tell me what they want. And <laughs> certainly with baby Ariel, she's got a sort of like bigger than life personality and her personal style was like, it's very um, streetwear, very hip hop and very now and almost sexy and um, we tried a lot of things on set. It was really fun to collaborate. Um, both of those ladies were extremely fun to work with. And every time I do one of these shoots, I learn something new. And yeah, it was something totally different for me. So the neon clouds, were they yeah. were they in, in the picture or they added it later? Well, both. They, 
So it started, I'm trying to think back. It started with the idea of doing doodle clouds, like having, because the inside of the book has a lot of doodles as if it's a journal or something that you can like, she do, she doodles a lot. So she had actually submitted like art to me, like doodles. And it went from there to maybe we'll have doodles on the cover. And then it went to these sort of like, I don't know, neon signs that girls put in their room. And all of a sudden we realized like the ones you can buy online, like say from Urban Outfitters or something, they're really tiny. So I actually found a neon studio in Brooklyn, rented these um, neon signs and got them sort of custom made large, had them delivered by art handlers, (laughs) had them um, strung up on set and then realized that those didn't actually work either because to scale them to her was going to be this whole thing. So we ended up shooting the actual neon and then making it, we put it in post with her photo and then it was still kind of too small and not quite significant enough. And we needed something to sort of make it look super fun. And the pose she ended up choosing was, um, what is it? Her hands in the air and she kind of looks like she's dancing. Anyway, we just went crazy and patterned these neon signs we ended up shooting. So to your question, yes, it's, Yes and no, it's real neon and it's fake neon. <laughs> but that was fun. <laughs> yeah, and the final result is is very effective. Yay, I'm glad. And, and the so, way that it really... works with the typography as well. That yes, that was um, our designer Michelle Teramina's uh, handiwork, and she did a great job, like sort of marrying neon and fake neon um, type because that type is not neon. <laughs> <laughs> But it looks like it. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about the, the type on the Lily Collins one as well. Is oh, yeah. It, so, so obviously it's it's sort of hand-lettered. Is that based on her handwriting or anything like that? It's funny. She actually wanted to hand-letter it, and she had great hand-lettering. Um, but no, it is not her writing, but it is based on just sort of her stuff. She wanted it to be handwritten and look like it was. But it, at the end of the day, it was not her um, personal handwriting. Although we do use that in a couple places in the interior and I think she has a tattoo that is handwritten. So yeah, it was very much, um, a specific choice to do that. All comes together very nicely. All comes together. (laughs) So are these quite typical of that sort of work when, when you're working directly with the author and having a, a photograph on the front? Yeah, I'd say so. I haven't done that many and every um, person has been very different and they approach it very differently. Lily was very, um, very hands-on and had a vision from the beginning. Um, And Ariel was very, um, very trusting of us. And that was really sweet. She didn't have as much experience with books. Of course, she was a lot younger. So there's that. Um, And her image is sort of being sculpted right now. She's not so much, I mean, Lily is a huge star. So she had I don't know if more at stake is something I can say, but just, you know, she's got a, she already has a huge, what I'm trying to say, brand. Yeah, brand. Um, so, yeah, it depends on that. Um, I did a book with um, a Vine star named Matthew Espinosa, and he also was very fun to work with. We ended up shooting at his house for two days. Um, the cover is him in a director's chair, and we actually thought it was going to be something completely different. We had all these really fun pool toys that we thought we would like have him hold up um just because he's like a California kid and it was like just a fun set and at some point we thought it was going to be him holding this dinosaur and he looked at me and was like 
don't you know I have a thing about dinosaurs? <laughs> I was like, no, but I'm gonna pretend like I do know that and that I did my research. And so we were all set thinking he'd be holding this like inflatable dinosaur. And at the end of the day, there was some behind the story, backstory thing about dinosaurs where he was never going to let us do that. And I had no clue. So of course, everyone comes with their own bit of, you know, history, personality, um, story. And at the end of the day, the director chair was the one that, that made the cover. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. And very, very different from other sort of work. Very different. Yeah. But more and more, there, there's so many of these books. I'm trying to think who paved the way, but there's certainly a lot of, um, I don't know, play with reality, everything, reality TV and stories being real. I think there's a huge place in, in the market for teens wanting to read about other teens or even mm-hmm. somebody older than them for these for guidance and it's not enough to just have fiction about topics. I think teens are connecting with um, people that, like that they want to admire or that they are looking up to or just have life experience. It's kind of nice. Moving back to Erin and we've got Monday's Not Coming. Yes. Which is a very, very bold cover. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this one that very recently, um, this book is about a girl that goes missing in the D.C. area. And it kind of has, like um, Tiffany's first book, there's a little bit of a true news, true crime tie where, you know, they're kind of loosely based on things that are actually happening in D.C. And so she wrote this story about a, a girl named Monday that goes missing and her best friend is trying to find her. But no one seems to care that she's gone missing. And it's it's really beautiful and heartbreaking and and it's told in um kind of flash forwards and flashbacks and and there's a lot of play with like memory and and time passage in it so from the beginning we we knew we wanted something kind of graphic and bold and eye-catching and um I started playing with imagery and things that would kind of evoke police tape and a police like a um body outline like a crime crime scene kind of thing and um, that was tricky because that you know the type is not linear and it, it has to repeat and it has to form a shape. <laughs> and those are all things that are uh, not very common in the in YA book covers. So that was really the biggest challenge was finding the right image and then marrying the hand lettering and the imagery and the the composition in a way that still kept the concept, but. Um, took it a step farther you know still felt like a book cover and what I really like about this combination is that you have this imagery that's kind of tied to crime and and murder and and like kind of a you know the scenes of of this crime but then this very alive and very real girl in the middle of it and it kind of it's kind of hints towards the story you don't know what's happened to her whether she's just missing or if something worse has happened and and you just want to find out so hopefully it's the kind of thing that gets you grabs you and makes you want to read more and and figure out what's going on definitely and was it difficult to manipulate that text so that it would go around i imagine yeah quite challenging (laughs) we went through a lot of versions and you know it was smaller it was bigger there were more versions of the title there were less versions of the title and we got to something very close to this and then we're like well you can't tell what the title is and i'm like well 
what is it if it's not Tiffany Jackson? I mean, it's got to be something something else that's on there. So it was just a, a matter of balancing, making it a little bit bigger on the top and hopefully not too noticeably bigger so that you still keep the, the white outline and the police tape feel, but um, it kind of reads as the title of the book. It's yeah. also kind of an odd title for a long time. I wasn't sure how I felt about the title when we first, it was the original title and it changed for a little bit and then came back and, and the whole time, like, I don't know what to do with this. But um, when this concept kind of started coming together, it all made sense. And I was like, oh no, now I love this title and this title feels right and fits, fits with the book and the cover concept. So it's always nice when it happens. Mm. So I take, take it all of this was done digitally. It was digitally, yeah. This, I, I try to do hand lettering real I can. I mean, I every now and then I, I end up just going to pen and paper because it's so much easier and you get a better result. But because we were working around this image and reworking it so much and we were changing in and out the silhouette of the girl until we found the right, the perfect image of the girl, it just was easier to kind of keep going um, through it digitally. So this was created digitally. So just to get to the the nitty gritty of how you how you actually uh-huh. did that, are, are you using a a Wacom tablet or something like that? Yes, I have a. We all have pretty nice Wacom tablets here. Um, I used pretty much every one of Kyle's brushes until I found the right <laughs> one. <laughs> we so we have a set of Kyle's amazing brushes, and I think every designer has a set. Maybe it's like now it's kind of standard toolkit that everyone has Kyle's brushes, but. Um, <laughs> just finding the right texture and weight was hard. So I tried every single brush and then played with the sizing of it. I was like, okay, this feels like the the weight and the thickness of police tape, but then also kind of feels like a chalk, mm. you know, writing. And that brings it back to I, that YA look. The YA look, exactly. Yeah. Like something that makes it feel a little bit fresher. Um, yeah, and I'm still amazed that they let me do this. I think every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, we really made that happen. I mean, of course they had to stick a blurb on top of it at the last minute and kind of break my heart a little bit, but it's an amazing blurb from an amazing author. So, you know, that's okay. And hopefully we made it um, subtle enough that it doesn't take away from the overall feel of the jacket. No, I think it balances it quite nicely, really. Okay. Picture it without that. That's how it was before, and I think I'm still like drawn. I'm just attached to that, but I'm coming around to. <laughs> and then one, you know, one of my favorite things on the jacket um, is that the back cover image is a full bleed image of the same girl. She's kind of looking down, and you see her braids behind her, and it's just really beautiful and, and dark. And I thought it was an unexpected choice for the back cover. Mm. Something different. Uh, then you expect to see that red come to this other element. So, with with this cover, were you were you thinking of any other covers when you were designing this? Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to think of the things that are out there in the market. And definitely, um, see you give was everywhere, and it's such an amazing cover. And you know, I will forever be in awe of that jacket. I think it's like perfection so and that has similar that like you know the 
rip from the news, rip from the headlines feel to it. So we had that to kind of contend with. And I did definitely, one, because that's my team, I don't want to in any way rip off what they're doing or copy them, but also just because I don't want to do that to anyone. So that was definitely a challenge to come up with something that felt simple and stark and, and bold and graphic, but wasn't that, you know. Yeah, I, I think it, it goes nicely alongside a book like The Hate Give, but it, it doesn't, um, yeah, it, it doesn't look too similar. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> my, my colleagues would never forgive me if I ever said that. So. <laughs> I, I wouldn't forgive myself. I just, you know, there's so many great covers out there that I think you can kind of, it's one of the things that we're constantly being asked to do is, you know, if the book is selling really well, they want everything to look like that because yeah. it's selling really well. And, and that's a great thing, but that, you know, we don't, don't want all of the covers looking the same, you know, within the company and even, you know, we don't want to be our friends who are also book designers. So no, no. You know, how do we find a way to take something that's working well and, and develop it further and, and come up with our own version of it and um, not, on other people's successes so that's always a challenge that we're struggling with and I don't know if that's maybe something more so in tea and I think they really they pick up on what's selling well and then we all have, everything kind of has to look like that so started with Twilight sorry <laughs> <laughs> we blame Twilight for all of this <laughs> so, yeah. somehow like never picked up on the Hunger Games that was never the cover to copy even though <laughs> it sold like hotcakes and yeah but Twilight really Everything had to look like that. That's <laughs> true. It all went back to the vampires somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk to David about the M- Mackenzie Lee books. Yes. Which I have them are, both here. They, they just, they're so fun. I've read the first one. And oh, yeah. Just thought that it was awesome. <laughs> just <laughs> so ridiculous, but also wonderful. And yeah. we've got this new one coming out. So this is the the gentleman's guide to vice and virtue, and the new one is the lady's guide to petticoats and piracy. They're just mm-hmm. the best titles. And I know they're a lot of fun. Yeah. So, what was your thought process? Well, well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the books to start with, and then a bit about your thought process when when it came to doing the cover. Well, like you said, they're really uh, playful and and fun books, and and in starting on the cover, I kind of had to match that playful and funness. Um, and it's the first story is uh, Monty uh, is a young gentleman, and uh, before he comes back to take over his father's uh, estate, he it's a pastime when they go on this kind of grand tour, and and but I, I don't know the, the so the so their oats or whatever. <laughs> But yeah, before basically before coming uh, home to be an adult, they get to go on this grand tour of Europe, and he goes with his best friend Percy, um, he's in love with, and they go and kind of get all of their crazy partying antics out before he has to come home. So when I was um, working on this, I was kind of trying to uh, historical references of this book, um, and what I thought would be great is to show. he kind of is the gentleman that maybe his father wants him to be and then overlay his kind of party and crazy personality over top of it with this strange type and and the doodles. I call them doodles. That's what they're called in my Photoshop files. So yeah. <laughs> I call them here. Uh, 
yeah, so working on this, like, I had a bunch of different ideas, but then I started working on this kind of outline-y type and putting these doodles in it and uh, and trying to find this photo of Monty. Um, and I went looking for photos of someone who matched uh, Monty's uh, physical description and somebody in this kind of old-timey garb. And if I could find someone with that looked like him and was wearing this clothing, it would be fantastic. But of course, that's impossible. Uh, guys that look like that are in leather jackets, and everybody wearing these this kind of clothing looks like a complete dork with a powdered pig. <laughs> 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 um, so we uh, implored the great talents of uh, Travis Comier, uh, is a fantastic uh, photo illustrator. So he chopped the head off of one guy and put it on the body of the other guy <laughs> and uh, did it in this fantastic way where it looks really real, um, and then did some editing of it to make uh to give it this kind of old timey feel but with modern it's a blue haze over it that's really fantastic um and he just did a great job and then to kind of sew in tight and the tools over top of this it really came together nicely and, yeah. and then the next one did do you yeah. manage to find a photograph for that one <laughs> That is a, a funny story, actually, because this is a thing that I feel like people always plan on. This might happen, but it never does. Uh, there was a photo shoot for a book um, where the photo shoot ended up getting completely killed, and we had all these photos um, that weren't being used. And my uh, my art director's uh, Amy Ryan was like, hey, I think we might have something for that. Um, and I was just started looking through all these photos, and they were great. The model was perfect, and the clothing was uh, time period appropriate. Um, so we found some great stuff, and so the icy stare, icy stare, that's not the, um, yeah. but great, she has a great expression on her face, but, um, it wouldn't be a part of the series if we didn't have to chop her head off and put her on a different body, because it's not a different <laughs> dress that she was wearing during the photo shoot, that was, that was really, uh, perfect, so, um, it's, yeah, it came together nicely, and then started pulling some doodles together, and, uh, overlay her. Uh, ladylike photo with her crazy badass pirate personality with the yeah. doodle lettering. I must say, I'm very excited to read this next book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting. <laughs> They're so absurd, but just yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And I think that the the covers really get that with the historical okay. side of things, and then the yeah wacky. Yeah, so gentleman's guy. All... I was assigned uh, almost immediately after getting hired here, so I was like, "I gotta, oh. I gotta prove myself. I gotta do something right." <laughs> so I had so much drawing involved. I was really working hard to prove I wasn't a phony. <laughs> <laughs> and and the typography, I take it that's also hand drawn. Yeah, it's based on a font, um, but I really got in there and changed a lot and manipulated and drew over top of it because it it wasn't weird enough for for my tastes. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's based on uh, letter forms, but it's my own drawing. And now the color is just completely not something you would expect for the for the time period, but it works yeah. so well. Yeah, I wanted it to seem like it was historical, but it is such a modern telling and a modern perspective on this kind of uh, Grand Tour 1800s uh, adventure. So that was really... Um, that was fun and that we were able to do this kind of bright almost neon fifth color mm. for gentleman's guide it's really exciting and uh yeah i'm picking out really great purples as we speak for the ladies guide yeah <laughs> oh wonderful so how often do you guys work with with freelancers pretty often yeah um 
yeah, it's anything that we can't do ourselves. We want it to look <laughs> perfect. Um, so we hire people who can do it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all perfectionists here, basically. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's that's interesting, especially as you're quite a big team. But I, yeah. I suppose when there's a, a very specific style that you need, then that's... Yeah, I think we do a lot. We do a lot in-house. I think maybe more than some other publishers. We do because we have so many talented people that do hand lettering and illustration and, and um, all sorts of in between, you know, like doodling and, and a lot of amazing Photoshop skills. We have one person who's like building all this crazy 3D stuff himself. So I think you know, we have this wide range of skills that we can do a lot in-house. And so we try and do everything we can in-house. And then, you know, where we want someone that is a professional or, or specializes, that's when we kind of go out of house. Mm. So, and, and how do you go about finding those sorts of people? Well, I guess it kind of depends on what it's for. I mean, a lot of the projects, we have a repertoire of illustrators and artists and CG people and, and retouchers that we go to over and over again. And then sometimes you have to find someone who's very specialized. And so that's a, always a little difficult to kind of break outside your normal people. So something fun. like The Land of Yesterday, had you worked with that illustrator or that paper artist before? No, I don't think we had. But um, what's great is that, you know, with our day and age, with Instagram and Pinterest and things like that, it's easy to get lost in that, like, uh, one of those social media platforms and to trace and kind of figure out who would be the best for the project. And, you know, like Erin was saying, you really need to find someone that's specialized, then you could look through social media, or you could also, like, look through um, artist reps who have agencies and be able to find them through there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing with Helen was actually um, she was repped by somebody that we've worked with before, but also uh, I actually found her on uh, Pinterest, Pinterest a few times, and then I she's, she's perfect, perfect, and then we were, thankfully, like, she was repped, which was great. That was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Getting you all together at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. But yeah, thank you so much for coordinating too. This is great. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to rate and review us too. This show is hosted by Holly Dunn and edited by Eric Wilder. Our theme song is Sweetberry Wine by Blue Wednesday. And Spine is a production of Spine Magazine. For show notes, articles, audio and video about the enormous talent that goes into creating books, visit spinemagazine.co.